This is Nick Adams, and you're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast. And hey, everybody, this is Stefan. Thanks for joining us for another episode of MLVC. As you just heard, today on the show, we are joined by actor, singer, dancer, Nick Adams. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're just like on the promotional round with Fire Island. Riding the wave. It's been wild. <laughs> yeah, you've been like East Coast, West Coast, you're all over the place. I it's, am. Uh, I'm every. I'm everywhere. Yeah, it's been great. So before we get down to some questions, uh, I wanted to do a little bit of rapid fire of uh, Nick's accomplishments. Uh, <laughs> Nick originated and starred as Adam slash Felicia in the Tony-winning Broadway musical Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. He's been on a ton of shows. I mean, he was on uh, Falsettos. He played Fierro on the first national tour of Wicked. Chorus Line, Guys and Dolls, Chicago. I mean, tons and tons. He's been on television and film. Uh, the other two on HBO Max. Inventing Anna on Netflix, which I loved. Uh, Sex in the City 2, which of course, and just like that, <laughs> Sex in the City is. If you're not an actor in New York City without a Sex in the City credit, you're not an actor. <laughs> It's like um, Law and Order, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. If you're not, if you don't have a Law and Order <laughs> or Sex in the City or and just like that credit, it's you know, what are you doing in New York? Um, he, I mean, you've been on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, multiple Tony Awards. You've wowed audiences in concert performances with the New York Pops and uh, Baltimore Symphony, New York Gaiman's Chorus. Uh, and recently, you can be seen right now as Cooper in the feature film Fire Island, which is now streaming on Hulu. And for all you Madonna fans listening out there, yes, there is a Madonna connection. Just wait. <laughs> It's coming. Uh, but first, how did you become a performer, Nick? What, how did, when did you start acting, singing, dancing? Um, I was like, I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is a relatively small town, Northwest PA. So like two hours North of Pittsburgh. And mm -hmm. I think it just was really or organic. Like my mom took me to see a show on, on New Year's Eve at a community theater in my, in Erie, in my hometown. And I, I just remember like telling her afterwards, I need to do that. And I felt uh -huh. so, I felt so like alive in that two hours that we watched that show. And I felt like a connection, I don't know, something was awakened in me. And so I asked her if she could help get me started in that. And then I started, a, I think I, I auditioned for a show there and got it. And then discovered that I could sing and, mm -hmm. um, found a sense of community and a sense of identity. And I was, you know, young and shy and, and it really helped me kind of find a sense of self and, and start to blossom. And, and then I never really gave myself any other option. It just felt like this was an understanding of who I was and what I was going to do with my life. And sure. I thank God my, my family was supportive and they're still like really into it and so excited at every turn of my career. So, yeah. um, yeah, it was just, it just sort of unfolded. I don't think it was like, I, I mean, when I decided to go to college for it, maybe that was when I had to say out loud, like, yeah, this is my career choice, but I, I, it was always just sort of like this 
understanding that that was what I was going to do. Well, so you act, sing, and dance, which is basically the quote-unquote triple threat. Did you ever feel you were meant to do just one, or was it like, no, I I can do all three, I'm going to do all three? No, I I think that's sort of what, like, has been what set me apart, like, has put me in a different category of of employment, especially is because I do Mm -hmm. everything, and I think that's what draw me to musical theater first, as opposed to um, maybe acting on its own because I wanted, I I loved storytelling and I loved that I could Mm -hmm. do it with my voice and with my body. And so I think that musical theater, because it kind of demands all three, if you can, if you can do it, there are certain roles that require all of it. That's, it just felt like I was using all of myself. And so, no, I don't, I, I mean, yeah, I love to, I love to sing when it doesn't, now I don't really dance as much anymore, but I'm grateful for the years that I did do that on Broadway because it really, you know, it, it was such a, that it's a singular experience to be part mm-hmm. of these like huge dance musicals. And then also it, I think informed me as an actor and a human being. And like, I never thought, Oh, I'm just going to be a dancer. Well, and also dancing, dancing as a career. I mean, there's a shelf life on that because your body's only going to be able to hold up for so long. Exactly. And I don't know. I felt like part of me was muted. Like I, I trained with a dance company in Chicago before I went to school and, uh, I loved it for, for the life experience of it, but I, I also felt like other parts of me were muted. And so I, Mm -hmm. I knew I just, I just didn't give myself, um, the option really to go down that road. Although I think it's, it's incredible. Like I concert work and ballet companies and everything are just, they take a totally different type of, of dedication. And yeah, but I, I just, I think as I grew up in a musical theater world, like that's always kind of what I wanted. And then I, you know, I dreamed of like being on Broadway and being a movie star when I was a kid. Well, look how that turned out. Well, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so that was, I was going to say, how did you wind up performing on Broadway? Obviously there's so many people out there who are like, I want to be on Broadway and that dream never gets fulfilled, but you actually made that happen. You know, it was like kids often do. I set this goal of like, if I just get one show, I can die happy and I can leave New York and say that I did it. And you know, and each one that happens, you're like, okay, then what's my next goal? You kind of like in any career, I think you have to recalibrate and think like what's going to challenge me or what's going to serve me from here on. Yeah. It's like, I went to college for this and then I moved to the city and like I had my first week in New York, I auditioned for Chicago, the musical on a Thursday. And I had a call back on Friday morning and then Monday morning, I got a phone call that I got the job. So like I was in the city less than two weeks and got my first show. So Which is not typical. Not, not the typical experience no. that most people have. They're usually no. plugging away, plugging away. Yeah. And I just, I have to like accredit that I was in the right place at the right time and, and prepared for the challenge when it came, you know? Sure. Well, you have to be ready. It's like, right. it's, it's like when everyone's, I mean, you know, people say, oh, they were lucky, but luck isn't what keeps you in the room, you know? Right. And like, it, it was the first of, of a sequence of many shows, which thank God, like I was able to jump from show to show to show. But, uh, you know, also it's, it's funny with Chicago because that's the first show I saw in New York as a kid. I was 15 on my first trip here. And, you know, I sat in the audience, remember thinking like, how the hell do I get there? Like, what, Uh what do I have to do to, it just seemed so unattainable at the time. Like, yeah, I, I love, I, it's like, trying to think back to like what that feeling is it just is to like witness a show without the eye of like someone that's done it is so different you know because you really get lost in it so and uh i just it seems so magical and so lofty of a goal and so to 
to then eight years later have my Broadway debut be in that same show that I watched when I was 15. It was like mm-hmm. not lost on me, you know, full circle moment. Yeah. I mean, I had the Chicago signed cast, like show poster <laughs> in my, in my dorm room and everything. And so for that, like right out of school to be like, I'm like, I fucking secreted that is wild, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I sort of, I, I mean, people who listen to the podcast know I, I danced on stage with Madonna back in 2015, and that was sort of one of those same things. Oh, where, yeah. Like, having been a fan of my whole life, and then to, like, be holding her hand, dancing with her on stage, I was like, what's happening right now? Sure. And, uh, it is, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's trippy. Speaking of Madonna, let's talk Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which yes. is one of your iconic Broadway stage performances. Uh, it's a wonderful movie, which got turned into a equally wonderful jukebox musical. Uh, there are many, many Madonna songs that you had to sing in there, but I, I want to know. So you play the Guy Pierce character for people who haven't seen the musical, but you've yes. seen the movie. You play the Guy Pierce uh, character that he made famous. Did Guy Pierce's characterization inform any of your choices that you put together? Was it, or was it like the director said, "Throw it out. I want you to create your own thing." I mean. Yes and no. Like I, I saw the film obviously and loved it. And I think what Guy did with it is, it was perfect. It was like yeah. so lovable and also was like awful and snarky and perfect. I just <laughs> I, I remember seeing when I heard they were doing it as a show. I said that I'm playing that role. Like I am playing that role. There's no way I'm not playing it. I just had a gut feeling and I think. But I watched it. I watched. I rewatched the movie before my. I think before my first audition, just to get reacquainted with. Who is who that person was and the essence of him and try to like drop into what sort of was the was the set standard for who he was and then mm-hmm. that was it and then in in rehearsals it was just basically like me bringing what I saw Felicia being and and, and reacting to Tony Sheldon and Will Swenson we kind of were just at liberty to play and create and in the world of was in the script already. I mean, it just, it was so fun to bring that to life, but of course, like he is the um, source material. So I, I, I wanted yeah. to, to pay homage to him and, and honor him, but also then like fly with it on my own, you know, and bring, sure. yeah, you had to sort of, you have to give bring a little, like yourself give a little to Nick, it. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So guy came to our opening and I got to meet him and he just nice. was so emotional because it was the, he had never seen the show in Australia or in London before it came to Broadway. And, and this was also like uniquely, um, the Americanized version of of the show um, with Madonna songs being added to the score, obviously, instead of Kylie Minogue and yeah. previous versions and then ABBA in the film. But right. uh, he was so he was so emotional, just crying and like hugging me and, and like couldn't believe what I did with it and felt so proud that he was like the original. And, and now it was like a, be- a beautiful moment of like him passing the torch to me and was so touched by it because it was really a, a defining moment in his career. Oh, and sure. Kind of put him on the map. Yeah, there's like there's there's like photos of us on the red carpet where he's like in tears, like hugging me, and, oh, and so I love so that we sweet. like someone captured that moment of us. Yeah, but, yeah, he was incredible. I was like so honored to get to meet him, and I'm glad I didn't know he was there until like right at the party afterwards oh, that he was at the show totally. because I would have been, um, yeah, you know, I would have been terrified. But yeah, I'm so happy. so he was pleased. So I got like his stamp of approval. So as as we said, there were some enormously popular songs included in the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your character got to sing four iconic Madonna songs, Material Girl, Holiday, Like a Virgin, and Like a Prayer. There's a lot of Madonna fans out there who are very passionate about Madonna songs, who love and adore those songs. What was your approach when having to tackle those iconic songs for the musical? Well, when they're in context of a show... 
you kind of have to find your way to, especially like in a, in a musical, you kind of have to, to find a way in which to bring them to life within the context of the story. And so that's the first approach is like, how do I use like a prayer to tell a story as opposed to just standalone pop song? Right. And how do I do it in the context of the world of Priscilla Queen of the Desert? You know, mm-hmm. um, now Material Girl for me was like, Felicia was performing at a nightclub as a drag queen for that song. And the staging really lent itself to, to selling it. I mean, I was in sort of like the Marilyn um, pink dress and like, an, you know, like the, the whole like big blonde wig and everything um, to start the number. And I got lowered into the stage for my first entrance to sing that, which was just like nice. iconic. I mean, it's like insane yeah. at the Palace Theater, mind you, which is just this historic, legendary space. I mean, I think we, Spud was our, our musical director on it and, uh, it's Australian and I like, they really coached me on, on like developing a pop sound for the show and not mm-hmm. musical theater at all. So we paid a lot of attention to that and just like her vocal isms that kind of are signature to Madonna that we tried to infuse it with like when I was performing as Felicia doing Madonna tunes, it would be like, let's add some of her vocal flair. And then when it was just me as, as Adam, the other side, the other side of the coin for that character, it was like, you can just sing it as, as Adam, as he would, you know? Right. Um, Right. Because obviously Madonna's songs are not Broadway caliber, huge voice type. They're just different. But like, you look at like a prayer and actually, so that final song for, for that character, like the 11 o'clock number for him at the end of the show was supposed to be like a virgin. Like that's mm-hmm. what I was supposed to sing at the top of Ayers Rock. And I, I felt like it was a weird sentiment because I already had also touched on it in an earlier scene on the bus. Right. But we're just sort of like goofing around and playing, getting ready. I thought, you know what? I My favorite song, Madonna song growing up was Like a Prayer. Like there's something about the magnitude of the production on that and the gospel chorus. Like all of it just yeah. is so big and i was like that's a that's a fucking broadway moment like let's do that and so i suggested it in rehearsal one day and they were like that's not a bad idea let's check on it so then like literally within 24 hours they like checked to see if they could get the rights for that they brought in an arrangement of it in a key that would suit me like it was it was wild and then that was that was it so it was kind i like love that it was my idea to use that song and then it got its way into the show I like that they used different like 
pop star legends for the depending on the area where they were at. You know, like yeah. Madonna was in the U.S., but they you know used Kylie, right? Um, because that makes sense for Australian totally. audiences. And, yeah. Um, and although Kylie does have reach in the U.S., it's it's not Madonna's quite Madonna. As, yeah, it's yeah, like exactly. <laughs> um, and you got to wear some pretty fantastic costumes in Priscilla. What was yeah. it like? having to switch in and out of drag throughout the show. I don't know if you got a chance to see Mrs. Doubtfire when it was on Broadway. I had I recently did, I seen did not. that. And it was just like the the speed at with which he had to flip in and out, in and out, in and out. And I was thinking, yeah. well, it's the same thing with Priscilla. You know, you're constantly in and out of drag. Yeah, I think, I mean, just from what I'd seen online, maybe he, he I think Rob was wearing like a, prosthetic like mask sort of face like a yes. whole a whole it contraption sort of on yeah i mean some of our costumes like the costumes were insane there were i think over 500 in the show and <laughs> i think i personally had like 34 costumes wow somewhere around there and some of the costume changes would be 12 seconds like my my dresser pam i like i i she I, she was working harder than anyone I think, in that production mm-hmm. because they also were so intricate and over the top, like to get in and out of them was not easy. I mean, it put her body through it and uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. Um, so anytime I like come back to do another show, it's like, she's in the contract that I have to have her as my dresser, even if it's like I'm wearing pajamas. I'm like, I have to, have her. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the costumes, which won a Tony award, they won an Oscar, they won an Olivier. I mean, they, they really were spectacular. The in and out, we for like our makeup specifically, because we would have to go from in and out of actual drag, they made molds of our faces that would just like go around above our eyebrow and below our a lower lid. And we're opening for your eye. And then the entire makeup plot with like rhinestones and lashes and everything was on the mask. So you would Oh neat. After like the first I think the first row you could kind of see the seam like along our skin, but past that it looked like full makeup. And I had I had a mask that would would correspond with like every look that I was in. So it was constantly changing. It wasn't, it wasn't like the same beat for the whole show, which was genius. And then we'd have like, yeah. we'd have lipstick and glitter pressed into our lips. And so we'd come off stage and kiss packaging tape to remove, off, remove the glitter. And then we'd have a wipe to get it off really fast. And then boom, we'd be on stage as a guy. So it was, oh, wow. it was wild. I just still don't Probably know how we did it. So- they're so tricky, those Broadway they folks. They just they know tricky. how to do it. It's, it's all hey, yeah, magic. Part, I was going to say, that's part of the magic of being able to go. You don't want to know those secrets sometimes while you're watching it because it's just, right. it takes away the fun. Um, and speaking of fantastic outfits as well, you also got to play in Wicked. You were Fiero. Um, and, and you were the final Fiero in the first touring leg of Wicked, yes? That's right, yes. After like 11 or, 11 or 12 years, I think, on the road, I was the the last actor to play Fiero. I mean, that's a that. There's a lot of people that come before you. How is it stepping into a musical that's as huge as Wicked? I mean, that that is an avid fan base. Yes, it was amazing, especially to do it on the road because you know every few months we would go to a new city and have like a whole other opening night, and people would. It's just there's a fresh energy um, where it's like I don't know. It's not that it's different in New York, but I think there's a different sense of excitement that like you're coming to them on the road, especially with a show like that, that just is a blockbuster and and kind of cultivates a giant fan base that is fanatical about that show. So they, it was like Fiero 
was such a fun role because he's he's like used sparingly. I ha- he has like a song and a duet and then like has a presence through the show. But it was a lot of time in my dressing room, honestly. Um, <laughs> it's really about the girls. It's about the witches. But oh, I right. but um, I would run out at the end and the, they would go crazy like it was a rock concert. So it was just so fun to experience like a blockbuster on that level. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the other musicals I've done have been like niche hits or like, yeah. you know, small product. Some, that, not, not something that was such like of that magnitude and that has been running for so long. So it was interesting because you get like two weeks of rehearsal, you're slotted into something that already exists, like staging, acting choices. All of it is kind of like you do A, B, and C. Um, so that's its own set of challenges to be like, okay, as a replacement, how do you, how do you make it organically you, but like fit into like literally everything's mapped out for you, everything. And if you don't do what's like given to you, you get noted on it. So you're like, okay, I have to like (laughs) go down this road. That's exactly what it is. So it was, which is a challenge in itself to do what is asked in that way, but then also like make it feel organic and you conform to this, but be bring, bring yourself to it as well. Right. 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 So that, that I think is, it's its own set of challenges, but it was so, it was so fun. Cause then I think within the structure of that, it kind of like frees creativity to find new things that you wouldn't necessarily in the first place. If you just had free reign, um, yeah. you can say like, Oh, these choices are interesting. Like how do, how do I make this work within this human? You know? So I, I had a blast doing wicked and I was, I was honored to get to, to be a part of that final company. And we closed it. We were at the Pantages in Los Angeles for like five months. It was such a beautiful oh, wow. close to that experience. Yeah. And my partner was on the road with me as my understudy, which was also amazing. He's just praying for you to get sick. You know, he's like, <laughs> no, don't no, trip if, Nick. Don't trip Nick in the second act. <laughs> no, but if I, if I, but the thing is like, if I wasn't on, then he went on and the money still came to us. You know what I mean? <laughs> so right. it, was, it, was, it was kind of a blessing. Well, and of course you would always get applause and cheers because you're the man candy you know i mean you think about all these young girls that are going there and it's like they're there because of glinda and uh afalba but when there's like handsome man on stage playing the love interest they're just they're probably just swooning you know yeah the costumes didn't hurt you know (laughs) it's like those those like those tight white riding pants. Those which like gaston outfits where it's just like just showcases like your itty bitty waist and yeah, they would make sure to like take it. Every city, like those, the material of those white pants is like not what you think it would be. They're like authentic, like riding pants. So they're not, they're snug, but they kept like every city, they would like take them in because they would stretch and they're like, uh-huh. we need them tighter. Okay. Right. Like, it's not like it's spandex pants. You know? Right, 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 right. And then also speaking of avid fan bases, so you got to appear in Sex in the City too. You got to star in the very first, very opulent scene uh stanford and anthony's wedding and Mm -hmm. you got to star with liza minnelli which Mm -hmm. is so trippy and amazing what was it like to be on set for that scene how long did that scene take how many days was it and so it was that was such an interesting process i remember like getting a phone call about this broadway wedding chorus and would i come i remember like the Bernie Telsey, who cast that movie, he used to have offices on like 44th or 43rd street in in Midtown. And I came and it was like that group of gentlemen that are like that are in the film, but it was like just us. And they taught us parts to sunrise sunset. And it was just basically to like hear us do it together. Uh And, and then that was it. And then like all of us got the job and they had kind of just like wanted to check off the list of like we would, the way we would sound. Um, But it was all sort of, 
orchestrated behind the scenes that those were the guys that were going to do it. But it was like Hugh, like Andrew Rannells and right. um, like, like a, Max von Essen. There was like some really big, like Broadway stars in that core. Like if you look at it now, it's like, a, it's all of us have gone on to do Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And we were all great friends and we spent, it was like weeks. We, it took weeks to shoot that sequence. And it's, um, I think it's supposed to be at like a home in Connecticut or something. I forget where they are, but it's all built. They built these gigantic facades of these homes in a soundstage in Brooklyn. And with like, I had a giant moat, like this big river for these right. swans to be in. Like it was all, it was all fake, which is Yeah, but they shot that at Steiner Studios, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were there for weeks. Um, and like all of us in these white tuxedos in like a giant holding room for most of the time, just like being idiots together. It was so much fun. Like I, I will... <laughs> We had any one of us, like if we see each other on the street, like immediately, you know, it's like we pick up where we left off and like laugh about that experience. And we still get residual checks in the mail, which makes me laugh too. That's always um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it was a blast. And then to have like Liza as part of it was also just like ridiculous. And, you know, we're on the soundtrack for the film and right, right. Um, I've actually like, I've had, I've been lucky that I've been able to perform with Liza a handful of times in my career and her sister, but like, yeah, like to, to work with Liza was just like bananas. People now, people still are like, will will take picture. They'll like the wedding sequences on and take a picture and be like, Oh my God. And like tag me in it online all the time. So <laughs> it's funny to me that like, I'll leave a stage door or something and people will be like, you were in the wedding chorus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure. So congratulations on your success with Fire Island movie. I, Thank you. I laughed. I cried. I loved it. How did you get involved in that project? Well, I was at the beginning of the pandemic, like right when everything was shutting down, when they canceled Broadway shows and, and sort of the industry came to a halt. I was living in L.A. and I was kind of nervous that maybe domestic travel was going to be affected. I mean, we had literally no idea what was happening. So yeah. I... I decided I should get a flight back to New York, get my, be with my partner. And, and we decided to go upstate and rent a house for like a month just to be secluded in the woods. And so we did that. And like, right when we got up there, I got an email from my manager that was like, Hey, I have this audition for you for this new Quibi series. Um, look it over. Let me know if you're interested. And I was thinking the world is ending. Like, why are we like, why are we worried about stupid auditions? Like, it seems so <laughs> un- unimportant. Hey, gotta, gotta give applause to the managers who were trying to see past that. They're like, right. Let's think after the pandemic. Right. He's like, Oh, this will be like a month maybe. And then we'll get back to it. But, um, yeah. So we, we, I had my boyfriend help me with a self tape and I just did one take of every scene and sent it in. And it was like, who cares? And then like a week, a week or two later, he called me and said like, Hey, look, they want to put a pin in you for this. Like, or, or do you think you'll be available at the end of the summer? And I was like, I mean, yeah, nothing's happening. Right. Like, are you if serious? We're all still alive. Yeah. Just, I'll be I, just kept, I just kept thinking like, this is absurd. Okay. And then, um, so it kept getting pushed and pushed and, and like, you know, as everything kept extending and things got worse and then I just forgot about it. And then I saw that Quibi had dissolved and I was like, well, mm. there goes that. No big deal. Cause I was kind of just putting my priorities, not on thinking about the industry or my jobs for once. And it was refreshing and needed. Then I think like last spring, like over a year ago, my manager called me and was like, look, this has been retooled. It's now been written into a motion picture. Searchlight has bought it. It's going to go, it's going to be um, stream through Hulu. Like it's, so it's a total upgrade from Quibi. 
and they're still interested in you for this role, like what's your availability at the end of the summer? Like, would you be interested? So I was like, yeah, oh my God, of course. Yeah. And so then I ended up, I like did a FaceTime <laughs> like meeting with the director, Andrew on, he was in the back of a cab, like on his way to go do some, uh, location scouting. And we just talked for like a half an hour and he was like, yeah, we think this is a, a, the fit and we're so excited. And I had to retape everything for Searchlight because it was like a different, you know, different studio and different right. casting directors, like all this stuff. But, but, um, Joel Kim Booster had like carried me over from the, the original project on Quibi. He's like, we want him to play Cooper. So it's like, okay. So I re I retaped everything and submitted it. And, um, you know, I crossed my fingers and was like, if this is meant to be, it's going to happen. And then I think a week later I got a call that I was going to do it. So nice. Yeah. So then we yeah. shot, we shot like August and September of this, of last year. And, um, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, such a gift to come back to work after, you know, almost two years of not doing anything creative and to be a part of this incredible diverse ensemble cast and to mm -hmm. be part of something that is so turned that has shown to be so major for queer cinema, like it's the impact. So wonderful. Of, yeah. And so I don't, it's just, it's bigger than I think I anticipated when I first read the script and, and, um, I'm just, I'm so honored to be a, a part of it. Yeah. I think it's a testament to show how hungry, LGBTQ audiences are for content that is marketed and targeted towards them. You know, we've mm -hmm. the representation in mainstream media, you know, it's people want to see themselves represented on TV and movies mm -hmm. and, and in music. And I think, you know, a film like fire Island and the upcoming uh, Billy Eichner film bros, you know, I think that's all sort of finally showcasing that and giving people comfort in, yeah, look, see, we're normal, just like everybody else. You know, it's like we're people with wants and needs and we love. And I, it's a perfect movie for pride. If anyone listening yeah. has not seen it on Hulu, Fire Island, it's wonderful. Um, what was it like to film on such a magical place like Fire Island? I mean, obviously, I know you've been going for years. I've been going for years. It's, 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 is it fun to sort of just go to a place that sort of feels like a second home and be like, oh, I'm now I'm going to work here? Yeah. I mean, it's like, what a dream. Uh, honestly, when I first, when I first got the job, I was like, oh my God, I get to be on fire Island for two months. Like I just thought that was, in, I was like, that's insane. Um, but because of, uh, COVID restrictions, like a lot of it, a lot of the interior stuff we had to build replicas in sound stages just because of sense. all the protocols, which sure. they were really mindful and thoughtful about all of it. Nobody got sick while we were shooting. We didn't have to shut down at all. But like we, we were out there for maybe three weeks and, uh, did all of our exterior stuff, like everything that's at like outside the pavilion, outside the ice mm -hmm. palace, like all those, all those shots are out there. The meat rack. Yes. And I think that like, it is such a beautiful love letter to the Island and just sort of the choose your own adventure experience you can have out there. And it's done in such a sun kissed sort of like beautiful cinematic way, but it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing to be, I felt like we were we were doing it justice to the experience and also like paying homage to the people that made it possible that came before us and all that. Yeah. I love that there's, I really love at the beginning of the film, there's like this photo montage sequence of tea throughout the years. Yeah. And it's just like, I love, I, I, it, I thought it was so touching. They included that. And it also sets the tone for sort of the um, aesthetic for the rest of the film and then mm -hmm. not to like give a spoiler or anything away, but when they're at the pier at the end of the movie and there's that couple dancing together, so it is like, 
it just is, it's a perfect way to end it. And with the song choice and everything, it's just, it's magic. And I, I, I think it captures like what the feeling is to be out on the island. It really does. So yeah, yeah. To, to shoot out there was a blast. It also presented a lot of like logistical nightmares for production because <laughs> there's, oh, there are no roads. There are, I mean, they yeah. like bring everything out on barges. I mean, it was not easy, but, um, we, we made it happen. And then also like you're in the way of people that are out there trying to enjoy their vacation. Their vacation, or, right. And we're like, sorry, you can't come through. Sorry. <laughs> we don't really get to know your character in the movie a lot other than he's got impeccable clothing taste and he spends a lot of time at the gym. And that he's also a horrible human. I think that should be like the main takeaway. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, he's not the he's, nicest character he's not in the, the nice. world. No. No. Uh, what, what did you base your character on? We all know who that person is. I've met that person on Fire Island a million times or at a bar or at the gym. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, they exist. And they are still out there trying to be social gatekeepers to the island um, and sort of instill this, like, fake hierarchy uh, that you can see when you go out there. I mean, I, I've experienced it on my end just from from not being, like, a wealthy gay. Like, my <laughs> My first trip out to the island, I remember like people rolling their eyes at me because they didn't have my own share. I mean, there you can <laughs> like there are people that exist like that out there or anywhere for that matter, and not just within our community. But I think it's it's interesting to highlight um, the aggressions within our community, especially on a microcosm like Fire Island, which just mm-hmm. they're going to obviously be more exaggerated and easier to target, especially because you remove the equivalent of like heteronormativity like a heterosexual straight presence boom they're gone and so it's all gay people and so then you see like how we then treat each other within our community and so yeah i think it's like i got to represent someone that is ugly on the inside uh, for sure and to his credit there were a couple scenes that that got cut that you got to see like sort of a a reason why just, just a little bit more of like explanation as to why he was so awful all the time. Like he was left alone as a child a lot or no, nothing like that, which like, hopefully there's been talk that like in the director's cut, maybe you'll get to see it. So I won't spoil it, but okay. Um, no, but just, it kind of like pointed the finger back at, at Noah a little bit and to you, you think I'm terrible. Well, like it would, gotcha. so there was a little bit more of rapport between the two of us. And so, mm-hmm. um, but I understand, like, you don't need, like, I know that, like, the studio didn't want me to have any redeeming qualities in the character because I don't deserve that. Like, I, the, way, right. the way in which they wanted me to treat the the sort of chosen family aspect house, the tuna walk, was, like, full cunt energy the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, through a smile, like, that's the way I, like, wanted to play it was, like, I want to do it, like, through, like, shiny white teeth. And I, like, never, like, smiling at the whole time and never, never, like, obviously mean it was like fun to kind of play this sort of like we we wanted to find a balance of like regina george with like miranda Priestley. yeah i was gonna say it's total mean girls syndrome where it's but and and it's with any of them with any sort of villain quote-unquote villain in a movie they don't know they're the villain you know they think what they're doing is perfectly normal and fine you know right right and they they i mean and that's i think that's the other thing too is that like i think this character it's been interesting to see the response because people are like shocked that I'm playing such a dick, (laughs) but, (laughs) but also like for people that maybe see themselves in Cooper, like I think there's, it's necessary for, for people to kind of be checked and it's not done in like an accusatory or finger pointing type of way. It's just literally Mm -hmm. like, 
these are the experiences you can have on the island. You can meet these people as well, and they might be an asshole to you. But it's not like saying, you know, like that Zane who plays Dex and I are like just white devils on the island. It's like right. We're just presented in a way like, yeah, this this is this is life. I really thought every house on the island had a hot tub. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? We have a GoFundMe set up, so fingers crossed. Them. Hi, by the way, where is the rest of your house? Um, yeah, Braden and the boys, they're feeling a little tired. Well, thank God you had the energy. Oh, God. Five minutes and you've already found a book? Yeah, that's mine. What kind of a gay person goes on vacation to do homework? A literate one? I'm going to FaceTime my mom before I get too fucked up tonight. I forgot her birthday again. I think it was a smart choice to just to just play... Uh, to, to, to just see Cooper in that, in that light. I think it was effective. How many wardrobe changes did you have in that film? Cause I, I think I read something that in every scene you're in, you were required to have a different outfit. Yes. And I like the David Talbert, our costume designer said that all, like all of the wardrobe budget like basically went to Cooper because I had, <laughs> it would be like head to toe Versace or head to toe Balenciaga or, you know, like it was like head to toe Kenzo. Like I would never not be in designer in every aspect. And even like I had this beautiful, like thick statement piece that we would call it this Christian Dior choker, like chain necklace that I have in every scene. And he wanted it. Like I remember putting on, putting it on in the fitting and it was like, okay, so even when I'm not at the house, our massive house that we have the, this huge ocean walk house, it was like, I'm going to show status just based on my necklace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you didn't know that I'm, at that house. Well, now you, now, you know, you know, so it was the, the, the wardrobe definitely informed how I carried myself and sort of my mannerisms and physicality because that in in theater too, like for me, that's always kind of like a really um, eye opening sort of another level of how to figure out who that human is, is the, is the wardrobe. And so in my fitting, I mean, I tried on like a million things. Of course they were like this big, these teeny little. Oh yeah. The little speedos and underwear. Yeah. (laughs) The the most expensive things that like I've ever put on, but like the most minimal, you know, (laughs) speaking of, of minimal outfits. So you must've had to step up your gym routine because you were like super fit. It was abs for days. It was making me feel guilty for having cookies while I was (laughs) watching the movie. Um, What kind of like fitness when you got cast where you're just like, okay, they're going to put me in bikinis. And now, I mean, you were always fit. I remember when we photographed, you were always fit, but like for this, I feel like it was just like amped up. I was like, Whoa, Nick got super fit for this. Yeah. And I remember like when we shot together, it was actually before I started falsettos where they asked me to lose weight. So I was like already on my, it's like, I try to, I try to obviously stay in some type of like consistency for my own health and like mental health. Well, and also your job keeps you physically active. But yeah, I mean, it's just like for the roles that I generally play, like that's sort of a requirement of like where it needs to go. Um, But for Cooper, I was like, this person relies solely on appearance. So like, I have to, I mean, I have to like be a certain version of gay that like, it's all about this. And so, yeah, I, and also they had me like, it was a, it was a deliberate choice for, from, um, makeup and, and our director, like the makeup department and Andrew to, to have me completely like glossy, shiny, the entire film. <laughs> I was like, how much baby oil did they use like, on Nick for these scenes? Like every time we would cut, they'd be like applying more, like, <laughs> spraying me with something. I also, the, I didn't, I haven't talked about this in any interviews yet regarding this, but like my, I was in Hawaii right before we started shooting and I was, I cut my, my trip like a week short. Cause we had to get back. Like I'd already had this trip planned before right. I got the job. 
And so I was like there with friends and my partner. And I was like, listen, I can't be like vacation mode, like having my ties and eating whatever I fucking want. I have to like wrap it tight. So we got to, we got to Kauai and I found a CrossFit gym that was like down the street from our hotel or from our condo we were staying in. And so I was going at like 5am every morning to take class and we were also doing like eight mile hikes and doing crazy shit. So I was like very tan at the beginning of shooting just from being in Hawaii. I, um, my last, I think it was the day before we left to go back to New York. I was at CrossFit and I broke two of my ribs in class. Oh no. It was like, oh my God, how am I going to stay in shape for this? Like the way that I need to with two broken ribs. And so I'm like at the, it was a whole thing, but the doctors essentially were like, football players play with broken ribs all the time. Like you can still work out. It's not going to be harmful for you, but it's going to be right. immensely painful. So it's basically just like your, your pain tolerance. And so I just was here's, like, here's a cortisone shot. Get to the gym. So I just was like, screw it. I'm just going to like work through it. And I think, I honestly think like I, I had to engage my core in a different way to protect the pain in my ribs which kind of lent itself to like the abs I was looking for for those scenes. But yeah, I was I was like doing CrossFit. I was doing berries. I was weightlifting. I was also eating. I was eating a ton. I had to eat a lot during that shoot mm-hmm. um, just to kind of keep it on because my body normally wants to like lose everything like during a night's sleep. So yeah, it wasn't sustainable. But for, you know, it's like for the character and it's locked in forever as it's filmed. Right, like, exactly. It's worth, it for th- it's worth it for a, th- a two-month shoot. Yeah. So I feel like it paid off. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. I was, I'm like, okay, that's, that's Jim inspirational right there. Um, big question. Where will there be a sequel to fire Island? I had, I think I read somewhere that Joel Kim booster said he could see making a movie at all the big gay beach destinations. Yeah, so something like Provincetown is next. Yeah. So we think, we think that it's, it's been discussed on all levels. Um, we've, you know, we, I feel like we've like all kind of pitched it to searchlight to, to Hulu, um, that it needs to become sort of like a, uh, an empire we need to do mm-hmm. like a, we're franchising it. We need to do like, uh, you know, P town next. Then we go to Palm Springs. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think we go to Mykonos, maybe Puerto Vallarta, but P town for sure. I think it's P town Cooper's revenge. It's like, <laughs> <that's the doc. laughs> well, yeah, it could be like the gay version of the hangover franchise, you know, right, Every, exactly, everyone, exactly. everyone just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that's, that's the plan because we had so much fun shooting it. And I'm like, let's go to new England. Let's do that. Yeah. That'd be, I th- I could totally see Mykonos. So you'd have to do a scene at Jackie O. Right. Absolutely. Let's talk about skivvies. So oh, yeah. for those who don't know, the skivvies are what the New York times call indie rock alt cabaret, new burlesque. They're a, a troop of entertainers who perform solely in their underwear. Uh, you are known as one of their most reoccurring guests. Uh, and I think some of the clips I saw, you've also sung another Madonna song, Lucky Star. Yeah. Does performing in your underwear give a great sense of freedom on stage? How does that differ from being costumed on Broadway? Um, yeah, I think that's the idea. I think that's like their intent. Is it like they do like strip down arrangements and reimagine things? So like also with their clothing, it's sort of just like here we are, and it's sexy and fun and tongue in cheek. They are so funny. They are just like two comedians that happen to be genius musicians as well. Um, and all of the arrangements have like a point of view or a theme, or they're just hilarious. And normally with me, I do rather than just like underwear, I've got some type of like ridiculous costume or like reveal moment or I like to add like a layer of 
Um, I think I just... saw you wearing a sock at one. Yeah, like that, a, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that, Santa Claus hat at some <laughs> show, or yeah, depending on the season and uh, you know <laughs> where we go. Like I used to, they used to. I think they they do like a holiday tour, so we go through like the Midwest and California, and um, I've gone with them before when I'm available to do the Christmas shows and stuff, and they're always so fun. And um, but I went to school, I went to college with Nick, um, and then Lauren and I have been friends for years, and I think we have a show coming up in July at Joe's pub, I think in New York. Nice. Um, as like, I think it's their 10th anniversary concert or something since they started this band. So, but yeah, they've had a ton of success and it's, it's honestly like, I feel like I get to go hang out and make music with my friends. And we just happen to be wearing barely anything. it's fun and then there's like they get every walk of life they celebrate all body types like it's it's kind of a really beautiful little family they've created with guest stars that come in and and do their shows. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's like, I get stressed out about it and then you're out on stage and you're like, you don't think twice about it. You know, you're kind of Mm -hmm. like, Oh, we're just all out here together making music and you forget. Right. Well, it's not a, it's not like it's a sexualized show. It's not like you're in your underwear for like, and it's like, there's like sexiness about it. You know, it's, uh, it's it's just just like, you kind of just like there in your undies and singing. So (laughs) it's like, it is sexy, but it's like the intention is always like comedy forward. So, right, yeah, it's a fun night. If you haven't seen a Skibby show and they're in your area, you should check it out. Check them out, yeah. Well, and you get to see people in their underwear, which is is never yeah. a bad thing. I mean, it's always fun, right? Um, what's the story with Drag the Musical? I saw you singing and performing. Is is that coming to Broadway? Off Broadway? What what's going on there? Um, so we just, we had our album release March 13th. Um, it's on, you know, you can stream it anywhere music is sold or iTunes, all the things. Um, it's a great album. Alaska Thunderfuck is one of the writers on it and my co-star. Uh, and it's got, the recording has like a slew of famous, um, comedians and drag queens on it. Um, we did a, a presentation, God, was it last week now in Los Angeles at the Bourbon Room? So we're, we're doing a production of the show in LA in the fall. Um, we start in September and run nice. through October. Um, and yeah, so the plan, the plan with the show is to start there and as sort of like the out of town run, and then they want to either go to the West end or Broadway with it. So it's really fun. It actually is like a, a, a really good time. It's a great show. There's so much fun music in it. And it's a, it's a good story about two drive, uh, two rival drag clubs that are across the street from each other that kind of have to unite because they both fall under financial crisis. And Alaska and I play the club owners who have a sordid past and are mortal enemies and ex lovers. And we kind of have to put all that behind us to succeed. Uh, mm. but it's, it's like camp ridiculous. It's sort of like Rocky horror. The music's like eclectic as in Rocky horror meets Green Day meets the Sex Pistols. So it's kind of all over the map and and poppy and, and fun. And so even if you aren't into musical theater, per se, this has like a very pop rock forward energy to it. So sure. um, the songs, some of the songs like very much stand alone without being part of a show. 
but it's a blast. I, I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of it from the ground up and, you know, the beginnings. And um, mm-hmm. it's wild to, like, jump into drag again after over a decade. Yeah, I was going to say, you do. Uh, there's a lot of drag that follows your career around. This I know. is what, your, th- your third time doing drag? This is this will be my fourth musical in drag, actually, wow. which is bananas to me. But I And I remember, like, after Priscilla, I was, like, really... Uh, against being seen like I was getting a lot of TV auditions at, like during that show for specifically like drag queen characters. And I kept thinking like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like this is not who I am. Um, it's also, it's also a strain in your feet. That's a lot of heels. So that's true. And your skin. So I was like, Oh, yeah. I don't know if this is for me. And then, I, you know, it's just like, I, I, I'm good at playing a drag queen. So I'm like, that's part <laughs> of, I'm just going to lean into it. And here we are. So, um, I can't complain. I'm, I'm actually like really lucky that, uh, I get to be a part of something new again. So nice. Yeah. Other than drag the musical, uh, what uh, what else can we see from Nick Adams in the near future? I have some concerts coming up. So if you're in the Indianapolis area, I've got a concert with the Symphony there in mid July, and then I've got a concert in Pennsylvania uh, at Mercyhurst University with Eden Espinosa, who's one of my best friends and Broadway icon. Um, we're doing a duet show together. Yeah, and then I've got drag in the in the fall. So. Things are cooking through the summer. I'm also going to try to like... No no lazy summer for Nick Adams. No, not at all. I had enough lazy time during the pandemic. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm making up for lost We've time. We've had enough time stuck inside a house. It's like, get us out. Exactly. Hey, Stefan, I think it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. Uh, Nick, it's now time for the lightning round. Uh, it's just meant to be quick off the top of your head, wherever you're at in your Madonna journey today. Favorite Madonna song? Like a Prayer. I think you said that earlier, yeah, of course. Yeah, always. Um, I mean, it's an iconic pop song in yeah. general. Uh, favorite Madonna music video? Uh, Express Yourself. Express that was like defining for me as a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, as a closeted gay kid growing up seeing that video, I was are just you, like, Ooh, are you what's kidding this? me? Yeah, Awakening, for sure. Yeah. It's still, <laughs> I still like start sweating when I see it now as an adult. So definitely Express Yourself. Favorite Madonna tour? I don't know if you've ever seen Madonna. Yeah, MDNA at M- MSG. I saw, nice. I think I saw it like three times. I loved it. I was like, I loved that album. It was such like a good reinvention and the music was so good. And it, the production value on that show was bananas. Insane. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite Madonna movie? League of Their Own. She's nice. exquisite in that film. Did you see that they're rebooting that as a show on Amazon? I did. Although not with the same characters. Apparently it's like the Rockford Peaches Mm. but not the same characters from the movie, which I think is probably smart because we would just be looking at like, oh, this yeah. isn't Laurie Can't Petty. Touch it. Can't touch <laughs> this it. This isn't Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, favorite Madonna look. And this can be from a photo shoot, a music video, a tour. Okay. Well, I love, there's something about um, Ray of Light Madonna that I think is just mm. so stunning. I just love yeah. her, like the way she was styled Dude. and her energy. And yeah, she was so beautiful. But for me, like as far as like a look, is Vogue at the VMAs. That was like, for me as a child, that performance. I honestly, we pushed, we tried to get that as my first number in Priscilla as as instead of Material Girl. And we wanted to do it with like the full, like fan, like Elizabethan, like her whole getup. And um, we couldn't get the rights. So I know. Too expensive. Any of her actual songs that she's, that are, yes, it was too expensive, but I also think it just like, was a no. They just were like flat out, like, anything it's something with like the songs that she is credited as a writer. if there's other people credited as a writer or something I then see. you have you have a moment in or something but i can't remember the logistics behind it but we couldn't get it so devil wears prada got it i think just because 
she had put out her new album and they, she was like, you can use Vogue, but then you also have to use one of my new songs. And I think that's the, oh, in the film. Why, yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. why they got it. Oh, right. Cause they're doing a Devil Wears Prada musical. Right? Yeah. My partner's in it. He leaves on oh. Monday. Yeah. Oh no. Well, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Uh, well, that's our show for today, Nick. I appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to come and chat with us. Tell everyone where they can find you on social. I'm at the Nick Adams on all social media platforms. Very easy. Just type Nick Adams. It should be the first one that pops up. <laughs> and remember, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at MLVC Podcast. You can donate to the podcast at Venmo at MLVC Podcast or become a subscriber on Patreon, patron.podbean.com forward slash MLVC Podcast. Nick, thanks so much. I really appreciate this. This was wonderful. And if you haven't seen Fire Island, it's on Hulu right now. So go check out Nick Adams. (laughs) Thanks so much, Nick. Thank you. Bye.